We made it, folks. I, I had all the naysayers, a lot of big J's telling us that it shouldn't happen. How dare the NFL try to even have the NFL season? Well, we did it, and it was damn good, too. Last night, capping it off, as you had Big Ben coming back from injury uh, and you know, kind of clean-shaven a little bit, trimmed up, getting a win over the uh, New York Giants, Daniel Jones. I, I Daniel Jones looked good at times, and I don't even know how to describe his performance. And then all of a sudden, you're like, yikes. There was a moment where uh, T.J. Watt intercepted Daniel Jones, and I had flashbacks of the draft where Ted Thompson decided to trade the pick and instead going with, who was it, Kevin King and uh, Vince Beagle. Like, Man, we could have had that Watt guy. Pretty good. Pretty good. But I don't want to dwell on the past. And then uh, later that night, you had uh, the Titans kicker. Who's there? Is uh, Gakowski? Who? Who's the Titans kicker again? Goskowski. Goskowski missed three field goals, and then he ended up making the game winner as the Titans beat, I would say, Melvin Gordon the third and the Broncos. Other than that, boys, what did you think? You got the Packers putting up a, just a load of points. You have, um, I mean, what was the biggest surprise? Was it? I mean, what was, the, was it the Raiders beating the Panthers? Was that a big surprise? Was it the the Bills putting the beat down on the Jets? I guess that wasn't a surprise. Seahawks taking down the Falcons. You had the Patriots beating the Dolphins with the debut of Cam Newton with Bill Belichick. You had Gardner Minshew, must, uh, Mustache I'd say Mania. The biggest surprise the had to be team. either the football team or the Jaguars. Yeah, just I'd because agree with the Colts, that. the Colts were pegged by everyone to have that good season. You know, they they have a, a Philip Rivers is going to come, kind of be that senior leader and get it done. They added Jonathan Taylor. They have a good defense. They're they're going to be back and healthy. The Jaguars were supposed to be one of the worst teams in football. Yeah, they straight up beat the Colts. <laughs> and uh, was it Leonard Fournette who said that he's finally got a starting? He's finally got a quarterback. And then Gardner Minshew was like, what did you just say about me, Broski? Like, <laughs> you're going to diss me on your way out? Yeah. Check this out. And Minshew that, goes 19 of 20, 173 yards and three tutties. That was probably yeah. one of the biggest upsets. And then obviously Washington the against the Eagles. Yeah. When That's you're not right. expecting a whole lot from the football team. And then when you have your coach getting IVs at halftime because he has cancer. Um, yeah, yeah, you don't know really what to expect from that team. Yeah. Also, a big surprise, a I think, win. would be the Cardinals beating the 49ers. The 49ers maybe having, and Rowdy alluded to this yesterday, having a little hangover. Oh, the Cardinals were going to be good, though. They, they were showing flashes last year that they had some talent, and then you add Would you Hopkins. have pegged them, though, to beat the Niners in week one on the road? Maybe not beat them, but, I mean. DeAndre Hopkins was a beast in that game. It was crazy. Uh, 14 I, receptions for 151 yards. Did I see the stat? He had more catches than the entire receiving <laughs> core for the Texans. Oh, yeah. I, thought, I wonder. I thought I saw somebody reel off that stat. That's a good – I'll have to look that up. I'll look at the stats on that. Yeah, so a lot of surprises. Uh, and then I guess the surprise you would say was the Saints just kind of taking it to the Buccaneers. And then a little trouble in paradise is Bruce Arians, not once but twice, kind of crapping on Tom Brady. Good. Yeah, it was It was cool. It was kind of refreshing because Tom Brady, like the golden boy, and rightfully so, he's got all the rings. But Arians coming out to say that, you know, Brady's to blame, essentially, for their loss to the Saints. I feel like Tommy's got to be like, dude, d- d-. and Rowdy, you were saying over the break, that story you're telling us about, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I can't believe Tom Brady didn't kind of try to big D Bruce Arians. But, yeah, there's some trouble in paradise already brewing down in Tampa. So, like, Aaron Rodgers is – Drafted in 05. Start, first start was 08, right? You've been around the block. So, I mean, 
in what sense is what they're doing with Jordan Love really any different? They're letting a guy who can play play, and judging by their scouting, they have a guy ready to take over when he is developed and ready. That's yeah. That's, I mean, Jordan Love was chilling in his, his like track I think suit the biggest on the thing why most of the people in the national media talk about it is because what do most rookie quarterbacks get thrusted into doing? Starting it's playing right away, right away. Right, yeah. especially if you use the first round draft pick yep. on them because it's like you got to play them now. You spent this mm-hmm. this much uh, draft capital on them. You got to put them in there. You got to see what he's got. When you have the luxury not to play him, you don't have to play him. Exactly. But and, that's not really the expectation anymore once right. you take a quarterback in the first round. It's they got to be out there, they got to be playing and they better be good or else you already screwed up. Right. Well, we had the stat yesterday, remember Rowdy, like the last quarterback to get his uh, the last rookie quarterback drafted number 1 to get a win was in 2002 was David Carr. And then he died. Yeah, like, he they he, pretty much ended his career. Yeah, they for gave how up career. most his career. Well, you, who cares? You can call that death on the field. No, I mean, I mean the, the, the man. Has, like, then he died. I'm the, like, wait, oh, wait, hang on. No, like, back, he's pushing up daisies. Back to back years. His he career was the ended. most sacked <laughs> quarterback in yeah. NFL history. Once he went to the Texans, his career ended. Yes, got that win, and then it just went downhill from there. But if you look at it, the Packers, the I guess the track record I is he did beat the Badgers. At Fresno State, we don't come on, come on. <laughs> Too RJ. long ago. Why do you got to do, do, do that to us? If you look at the Packers' track record, which for the the sample size of quarterbacks is very small, yeah. because we've had two back to back Hall of Famers. But how they've done it, you let a guy sit. Well, I guess Aaron Rodgers, you let him sit for, for a little three bit, three years, and then you you learn from a Hall of Famer, and right. then you're given an opportunity. And Rodgers' first year wasn't the greatest, mm-hmm. and then after the second year, you're like, okay, I can see it. Here we go. Let's go, baby. And, and think about. Like when Favre was quarterback, look at his backup quarterbacks where most of them left and became starting quarterbacks elsewhere. Yeah. I'd rather have that scenario than I'm, I love Scott Tolzien, but don't need him behind him. It holds a mean clipboard. I, I don't need Seneca Wallace behind him. Well, if you want a guy to tear you your, never needed Seneca Wallace. If you want a guy to tear his groin in the first place, there's yeah, a lot of guys Wallace. I don't need being the backup behind Aaron Rodgers. What about Tim Boyle? Tim Boyle kneeled a mean ball on Sunday. Good for him. That was a hell of a kneel. If he looked good doing it. If he needs to have extended playing time, you better go find a free agent, and I don't care who it is. Just not Seneca Wallace or Scott Tolzien or, or anybody who's really <laughs> been a backup to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, especially the names this. that were just listed. Obviously, Matt Flynn came in and played well a, a little yeah. bit. A little bit. Enough but to the, earn him a contract elsewhere. Well, then he was supposed to be the starter the second, at Seahawks, and Russell Wilson came and just balled out. And yeah, then he the, was supposed to be the starter for the Raiders. Yeah. That didn't happen then, either. I think he's had elbow injury, didn't he? Yeah. That yeah. second stint with the Packers, which uh, was a lesser Matt Flynn than mm-hmm. the, the first stint. But at the same time, hindsight's twenty twenty. We always were like, can't we just get a backup so if Aaron Rodgers goes down that the, the Packers can still win enough games to still make it in the playoffs? You really look at it. Did they even need to carry a second quarterback on their roster behind Rodgers? Because once Rodgers yeah, went down, yeah. the season was done. <laughs> she just sort of rent Wildcat. Like, <laughs> yeah. all right, boys, we're going, we're going Wildcat. Or we're just going triple option. We're going to run the ball. Yeah. But no, like, we were so Mike McCarthy's going to be like, you know what I said? It's A, one important that we run the ball. Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to run the ball. We're switching to the wing I told you I'm a man of my word. Scott Tolzien on tying the Vikings with a six spin move just so that they had a shot at making the playoffs. It was a tie. Hey. 
I'll take it. All right. Randall Cobb probably could have played quarterback after a couple weeks of practice. Yeah, he, uh, he was the emergency quarterback. He was a high school quarterback. He was he the emergency quarterback one. a little bit at Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was until he got moved to moved over to receiver, and the rest, they say, is history. And right. then we probably could have finally done what Big Mike wanted to do the whole time, and that was run the damn ball. It's A1 important that we run the damn ball. Could you imagine Randall Cobb and Eddie Lacy running the option? Ooh, that would have been nasty. <laughs> I would like to just see it for yeah, a while. Just so one game. Just one just game. A game. Yeah. Totally throw people off. All right, so we got we got Duggan. Eddie Lacy would have died. Okay, so talking a little NFL action. Week one in the books. Already trouble in paradise in Tampa Bay. We were kind of calling that though, Rowdy. We, I mean, paper tigers, no doubt about it. Right now, you give the edge to Bill Belichick of making that relationship. As now Tom Brady's new coach Bruce Arians is coming after, coming after the alleged goat, not once but twice. A Sunday after the game and Monday, as Bruce Arians say Tom looked like Tom in practice, but then everything essentially fell apart during the game, and he said, "quote uh, Everything they did, we thought we were ready for. Tom didn't do anything that he did in practice." And then he blamed Tom Brady for the interception. And then he also said that uh, said that Tom Brady needs to bounce back, which obviously. And then Arians also saying that Tom Brady needs a little more grit and a little more determination this coming week. Well, yeah, it's different than what Bill Belichick would say. It's on paper the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look really good. They have a lot of big names yep. or names that used to be former All Pros, right? Yep. But then you look at, could you say there's almost too many cooks in the kitchen? Oh my where, God, no doubt. Where you have now at running back, you had Ronald Jones the second, who everyone thought was going to be more of the bell cow that was going to be in there quite a bit. Then you bring in a Leonard Fournette. Well, Leonard Fournette's a guy that commands carries, right? <laughs> Leonard Fournette, I finally got a quarterback. He loses and Gardner Minshew goes out and balls. Well, then, you, yes. then you look at the receiving core. You have Chris Godwin. You have uh, Mike Evans. Banged up a little bit, Mike Evans. Then you also have O.J. Howard. And you had um, Cameron Brait, who were the tight ends prior to signing Gronkowski. Gronkowski. Then obviously you add him to the mix. And then there's this guy named Scotty Miller that supposedly Tom Brady loves, yep. who's almost like his his Julian Edelman on the Buccaneers. The That's a lot of different pieces. And then when you throw in the fact that Chris Godwin and, and Mike Evans excelled the last couple of years with Jameis Winston running deep routes... Tom Brady's not a guy that can throw a deep ball anymore. No. Tom Brady's 43 years old. Tom Brady is all about those outs, those shallow crossers. He's not about the deep posts. He's not about the flag routes. He's not about throwing 40-yard <laughs> streaks down the field. Now, can he still do it from time to time? Yeah, but you can see that his arm strength is greatly diminished from where no it doubt. was just a no few doubt. years ago. And that's that's kind of how the New England uh, Patriots played the last few years was a lot of short, quick passes, a lot of dump-offs. Running the football. Yep. And Brady trying to go out deep goes, you know, throws two picks. So when two of your best receivers are guys that like to run deeper routes, it kinda it kinda negates their abilities no doubt. and makes them lesser of a receiver because they're not used to playing in 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 running routes that are less than ten yards. Tom Brady, welcome to the NFC, dude. You're not even the best quarterback right now in Florida. Give that to Gardner Minshew. <laughs> the mustache. Mustache mania running wild, brother. Now, can they? Can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers maybe put it together? Yes. Yeah, they probably can. They got, got a, a lot good of talent. Coach. They got a lot of talent. Tom Brady's a guy that's going to work and work until he figures it out. But you but don't have time like that in the exactly. NFL. Exactly. Well, that and it's 
it's the COVID. Se- they didn't have many practices. They didn't have any well, preseason the, games. The, the Buccaneers snuck in a lot of practices that the NFLPA was not happy about. Well, it seemed like they needed more. <laughs> right? I know. Because, it, and I think Tom Brady knew that. That's why he was trying to run those types of practices. He yep. knew that it would take time. He's it's even a, trying to meet with some of his uh, offensive like offensive coordinators and coaches. He walked into the wrong house. Remember that? That was against the NFLPA rules, and it, too. And it was a new system not only for him, but it's a new system for Gronk. It yep. was a new system for Arians all the other take guys. a year off as well? They had they had a lot of things that they were going to need to iron out. Now, could Tampa Bay figure it out in four or five weeks? Yeah, maybe. But on on paper, they look a lot better they than do. what they are. On well, the Tom field. Brady is a habitual winner. Bruce Bruce Arians is a great coach. They have, like you just said, a lot of talent. I mean, that's obvious. But Bruce Arians coming out to criticize Tom Brady not once but twice in less than a twenty four hour span. I like it. I, what did Bill Belichick ever? I mean, we never know what he said behind closed doors. But always in public, I was like, mm, yeah, we're, we're on to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, next question. We're, uh, yeah, it's practice. You never said anything in public. Now you got Bruce Arians out there publicly, you know, I, I guess it would say trying to light a fire under Tom Brady's ass. But do you really need to light a fi- fire under the ass who's considered yeah, a he goat? Looked, yeah, Tom Brady looked pretty fired up when they were uh, struggling down the stretch of that game. <laughs> Very curious out of the NFL is trouble already brewing in paradise for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not to sound conceited or nothing, but I think you can kind of say the same thing, Rowdy. Didn't we kind of see this coming? Well, we've seen it before with the, remember the Eagles when they were supposed to be the, you know, the... Like the dream team. Yeah, when they called themselves the dream team. Get out of here. But they're kind of like that. It's a lot of pieces that had a lot of talent in the past, but they might not necessarily fit together the best. Exactly. All right, 608-321-1670, Twitter, Zone Madison. Your biggest surprise is out of week one out of the NFL. I got to go. It's got to be. For me, it goes not in order, but the football team beating the Eagles, the Cardinals taking it to the Niners, winning that game on the road. I'd also say the Buccaneers kind of flopping. And then give me the Green Bay Packers putting up 43 points. That was an Aaron Rodgers on the FU tour. You know, let's talk about other goats. Aaron Rodgers a goat. Does it look like to you, Rowdy, that he's on the FU tour? You'd say after week one, yeah. Well, we had comments from Aaron Rodgers yesterday on the show, and he talked about how it wasn't, not about going back to guys like Valdez Scantling who dropped big passes earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. And you kind of think about that, and that's not something he's no. done a ton of in the past because it's been duly noted by former teammates and other uh, people in the media that, you know, if you screw up in practice or you screw up in the games and, and, you, yeah, and you do it over and over, you get into it. Aaron Rodgers' doghouse, and he doesn't want to throw you the football. And then he'll make these like schneid comments to the media about him, but it's like, it's like, is he just ribbing on that guy? Do I have to read between the lines now, here? Obviously, there was a frayed relationship between him, Mike McCarthy, and I think Ted Thompson was that driving wedge between no it doubt. with the lack of players. No doubt. But what else have we talked about the difference between Lafleur versus McCarthy? They have multiple tight ends. They have less receivers. McCarthy's got the six, seven wide receivers yep. that they're keeping. Well, here's the thing. If you keep six, seven wide receivers, you know what you can do when you don't like one? You plug another one right back <laughs> yeah, exactly. in because you can. You're, giving Aaron, you're not giving Aaron Rodgers many options. Yeah, now when they're like, okay, we have four healthy wide receivers out there, he can't really say when you're in a four wide receiver set, I'm not throwing to this guy anymore. No. You're like, Rodgers, you got five. You got to be throwing to these guys. 
suck it up and deal because with it. Because this is all you've been given, so you got to figure it out with what you have. Maybe was that the Goody and LaFleur's approach all along? Get him such a low number of players that he can have to work with that he has to continue to work with yeah. them. He can't just say no on to the next, next one. Next guy. And also draft his, replace, his eventual replacement to piss him off a little bit and get a fire under his ass. Funny. You have Bruce Arians calling out Tom Brady publicly, not once but twice in a 24-hour span, trying to light a fire under his ass. Or you go the Gutekunst Matt LaFleur approach. You draft the guy's replacement and don't really say anything about it. Well, I would play the Brewers turning up the heat or be a believer in Brewers' fever song, but they won the first game of the doubleheader and then they lost the second game of the doubleheader. So I guess if they ended on the loss, then I can't play the song. But the Brewers split their doubleheader yesterday and... um, I got to say, Rowdy, by the way, good morning, Rowdy. I got to say, watching watching the Milwaukee Brewers, I was thinking about this on the drive-in, watching the Milwaukee Brewers yesterday, especially that first game, and then about halfway through the second game, I was like, eh. But watching that first game, it was it, comparable to the movie The Joker. It was long. It was boring. You're fighting off sleep. And you're wondering if you're even being entertained at all. Then there's a flurry of action at the end, and then it's over. And you're wondering to yourself, did what what I just witnessed, was that any good? And then after I thought about it, no. I don't think it was, because the Brewers' offense stunk. But in that first game, you had a nice little game from Josh Lindblom, pitcher on the mound. And then Devin Williams looked good, and Josh Hader looked good. And there was a little flurry of action at the end there with Ryan Braun, uh, snapping a 21-inning scoreless streak with an RBI double, then Keston Hira with the sack fly. There's your flurry of action. And then the second game, the Brewers lose. Whatever, the offense stinks again. Well, I feel like watching the Brewers is like watching the movie The Joker. It's just, it's it's boring. Not much happens. And then at the end, you're left confused if what you saw was good or bad. Well, I looked at it in the first game is they found a way to win it. Obviously, Keston Hira had the sack fly and the eighth inning, quote-unquote, extra innings, yeah. <laughs> which is still <laughs> stupid. But uh, the second game is the one that really rip your hair out. Because well, you came in here and said Craig Council lost that game. With his bullpen use. It's like you knew that Devin Williams, Josh Hader, probably weren't going to be available with all the work they've had in the last few days. Yep. Because they have been pitching in that Cubs series where you ended up losing two out of three. Yep. So they got work there. You knew if they were going to pitch in game one, they probably wouldn't be available for game two. Why did you pull Corbin Burns early? He yeah, was he, dealing. Yeah, he had two guys on. Yeah, he was right around the 100 pitch mark. But what what are you doing here? Yeah. Who, who are you going to bring in? Eric Yard- Eric Yardley was the choice. <laughs> Obviously, it was the wrong one. Yeah, the wrong choice. P- pulling out the wrong card there. I mean, Boop. Claudio technically didn't give up any runs, but yeah. he... Technically allowed a run to score that's on Burns' line. Yeah, RJ messaged me, why is Claudio still on this team? <laughs> like, why just, not let know, a guy like Corbin Burns work out of that inning where there yeah. was two guys on, two outs? He had to just get one guy out, and he still would have been the pitcher of record. Yep. You split with the Cardinals now, and that split leaves the Brewers two games back of St. Louis. And now a half game back of Cincinnati for the second playoff spot in the NL Central with only 
14 to play. Yes, the Brewers are now second to last in the NL Central. Cubs first, 28 and 20. Cardinals 21 and 21. Reds 23 and 26. The Brewers 21 and 25. And then the lowly Pirates sitting at 14 and 32. The Brewers right now are not in the expanded playoffs. Like, yeah, I'm going to bitch about how he used his bullpen, but then at the same time, the Brewers shouldn't even have been playing this game. <laughs> I know. I know. Because the Cardinals had their COVID outbreak. Yep. So now the Brewers, unfortunately, are also being held hostage by having to play all these games in, in a short number of days because of teams like the Cardinals. Yep. Yeah, technically it's a even playing field. But when the Brewers still, have... The Brewers, need more than, the Brewers need more than seven innings, okay? They need a full nine because that's when their bats wake up is the ninth. And especially what's killing the Brewers is their is their when once they use their couple guys out of the bullpen. Yeah. When you don't have Williams and you don't go with Hater, you do kind of look around and say who's available that I want to plug in there. It's like you're going to be in for a bad time. And the Milwaukee Brewers right now are having a bad time as they're in the outside looking into the not just the playoffs. The expanded playoffs. And now, you know, as a fan, you could say, oh, well, maybe they should score more runs. That's a, that's a great of, idea. Of course, right? But the offense hasn't been that good. Offense is terrible. And the offense has been bad the whole season. The pitching season. staff has been relatively decent most of the season. And they were in, they were right there for a chance to win. Yep. Oh, my. Oh, my Lanta. This yeah. is exactly what the team's going to do. It'll just keep you just entertained just enough to stick around and for then, the rest of the season. And then crush your heart at the end, right? If they don't make it into the expanded playoffs, <laughs> what is that? I mean, what do we what do we think about David Stearns and his acquisitions and, and a little bit of Craig Council pulling the strings? What do we look at? Like, you guys had an opportunity to make the expanded playoffs. Not the playoffs, the expanded playoffs. And you know what you did? Missed it. Well, I mean, if you look at some of the acquisitions from this year, Yikes. Josh Lindblom, you talked about, he pitched game one. He looked pitched, good yesterday. Pitched five innings, gave up no runs. You know, the five innings of no runs just lowered his ERA from the sixes to the fives. <laughs> that was his so, first game that he looked good for like more than an inning. So overall, hasn't been a great pickup. No. Justin Smoke, bye-bye. Uh, he's on the, what, the Giants now? Where is he? Brock Holt, bye-bye. He's on he the go? Nationals. The Nats. That's two of your acquisitions gone. Eric yeah. Sogard, outside of a couple of games where he had a game-winning hit. Nerd what, power. What has he done? Nothing. I think probably the best acquisition they have this year off the top of my head is Jed Jerko. And yeah. that's because he's been hitting the ball the last week or so. And Jerko had a two-run shot in that second game of the doubleheader last night, but still Milwaukee's offense, just, just anemic. It was bad. Milwaukee's offense managed just four hits in the games. And two of those came courtesy. Like, what? What is happening here? The Brewers. Your best, your best player and Christian former Yelich can't MVP do anything. Is batting one ninety five. Yeah. Christian Yelich was brutal at the plate. Between the two games, he struck out six times and reached base just once. And as Rowdy just said, he's batting one ninety five on the year and has one home run so far in the month of September. Yeah, it's we halfway thought, through September. We thought what was that? Probably in the third week of the season where he started hitting the ball where he had a couple home runs, and he was batting a little he's over 200. You're like, he's turning it around. No, he just – No. He's been toiling no. around 200. Then your second-best hitter on the team, Keston here, is batting about 220. Yeah. It's 
It's it's interesting, and that's putting it politely. Interesting. After watching the meltdown that was the later innings of that second game of the doubleheader, Ugh. you just kind of want the season to be over. Oh, as I, literally as I'm watching, as I'm watching the first game of the doubleheader, I'm like, well, at least this game is on at what four? What did they get underway? Four forty. At least this fourth, whatever the hell time it was. At least it's getting underway at you know in the four o'clock hour. And it was actually moving along kind of quick. And then I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing freaking happens. And then finally it goes to, I guess you could call it extras and the Brewers win. And I'm sitting there. That's why I, that's why I thought of like, it was like the, the movie, the Joker, the movie, the Joker was very, the, I think we we're on the same agreement of the Joker, right? It's, I think I'm a little more harsh than you are in the movie. But wasn't the movie overall very boring? Then at the end, there's a flurry of action and it's over? Yeah, like normally... That's like the Brewers. If I'm sitting in a movie, I'm not like looking at my phone because yeah. I hate that person. But I, I had Same. to grab my phone and go, what time is it? How long have I been here? Yeah. This has to be almost over. Is anything going to happen? Am, is this even entertaining? I'm trying to fight off sleep. Watching the Brewers was like watching the movie The Joker. Boring. 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 And then a flurry of action, and it's over. <laughs> and you're like, why did I, why did I plop down and watch this for two hours? It stunk. At least the Brewers won the first game, but then yeah, in the second game, you're, I mean, you're spot on, Rowdy. It was Corbin Burns should have stayed in the game. If you're if you're over 100 pitches in this season, anyways, what does it matter? You're like, you're not playing a full season anyways. You're playing 60 games. What does it matter? Oh, back back years ago, that was when you had pitchers like Greg Maddox say, you mean that's when, when you. That's when you learn to pitch. That's when, when you're fatigued, you figure out ways to get guys out. You mean when men were men? I just, I was, just didn't understand why Corbin Burns wasn't given the opportunity to figure it out and get out of it himself. Because normally, in a nine inning game, you know, the pitcher of record is the guy that can go five innings. Yeah, he was dealing. I mean, he went four and two thirds, gave up just five hits and three walks, but struck out ten. Yeah, just one run allowed, and technically. That was a run that was given up by uh, Claudio, but it was his guys on base, so he didn't even have the opportunity not to allow them to score. Yeah. Oops, whoever just called in, I, uh, I hit the wrong button and accidentally hung up on you. Try again. I'll, uh, I apologize for that. But, uh, dude, Christian Yelich, six strikeouts. <laughs> Yikes. The 2018 NL MVP fanned three times in four of his last five games. I will say this, though. When they dfa Justin Smoke and they brought on Vogelbach, I go, oh, here we go. The same exact hitter. They literally just brought in the same exact hitter that Justin Smoke was. <laughs> Vogelbach's been pretty good since the Brewers. He went yeah. two for three again last night. He's hitting over 400 with the Brewers because hey. he, was, he was really struggling we'll when he it. got DFA'd. But, uh, again, small sample size. We'll take it. We'll take it. Brewers uh, manager Craig Council saying, quote, Christian is struggling. There's not much else to say about it. He's struggling, but I know that we need him, and so we need him to get out of it. We need him to produce runs. We have to figure out the best way to get him in a better position, that's for sure. Rowdy, would you ever look at Christian Yelich and be like, well, you got to be moved around in the batting lineup? No. It's like, what else are you going to put there? It's Christian Yelich. You're going to have faith that he's going to maybe hit out of it? Okay, Christian Yelich is not playing well. I think everyone that's watched a Brewer game can tell you that. Yes. Who are you going to move into that position? Who's who's saw, yeah. who's hitting well on the team? Where you're like, yeah, let's move him into that. I saw a lot of people on hole. I saw a lot of people on Twitter yesterday saying Christian Yelich has got to be dropped down in the lineup or moved. I'm like, and and a lot of other people saying like, who are you going to put there in a spot? Yeah, like name name the batter that you want to hit second or third. Let's see, you can't. 
Who is batting the worst on the Brewers right now? Um, I would go out on a limb and say Sogard. Oh, Nottingham's 154, but whatever. Uh, then you have Sogard. Oh, he's also he's, he's only played in yes, a... Yes, he's, he's not there much. And then you have, I mean, it's Yelich is batting 195. We already said that. Sogard, who was 179, yikes. The highest batting average last night would go to 263, going to Taylor. Yeah, and he's played and in he's, limited time. Yeah, and Vogelbach's, like you said, betting 409, but that's very limited time. I guess Jed Jerko is betting 284. I this this Brewers team is just not good. Jed Jerko has the most at bats with the best average. That's 284, a slugging percentage of what is he at? 635. So I guess you got a little Jerko action outside of that. Every, yeah, if, and if you look at anyone else that has more than we'll say 30 at bats. It's few and far between anyone that's much over 250. The frustrating thing about it all is the Brewers have a pretty good starting pitching rotation, don't they? I mean, it's not, it's pretty good, isn't it? Pitching is not their problem. It's offense, it's bats. Their bats suck. Here, here are the David Stearns acquisitions from this offseason Brock Holt batted 100, DFA'd. Logan Morrison batted 120, DFA'd. Ryan Healy. Batted 167. I don't even know where he's at anymore. Haven't been following him too closely. Omar Narvaez, 174. Eric Sogard, 179. Justin Smoke, 186. DFA'd. (laughs) Luis Urias, batting 253. And Avisel Garcia batting 254. And then you had Jed Jerko, 284. Those are his acquisitions. God, guess what... um... Guess what Brock Holt is batting in his last seven games? 440. <laughs> What's he batting with the Nationals? Uh, like, his last 15 games, he's batting 316. And that's the bottom line. Let's see. With the Nats, he's got two teams. With the Nats, he is batting. Oh, my God. He's, he's batting 316 with the Nats. <laughs> and... Probably the difference there was he's getting consistent at bats. Yeah, let's see here. I, I just I was trying to look up a couple names. It was Justin Smoke? Doing well, that's there. the thing that bugs me with like the you call it the coach speak. We'll say the manager speak in baseball, yeah. where counsel's like, "Oh, we we kind of just got to get him in and, and get him some more at bats and get him some more playing time." Back when Brock Holt was still with the Brewers, but then when do it. they were occasionally giving him like a spot start here and there, and then like one pinch hit here and there. Yeah. Okay, we understand he needs more playing time. So do it. You're the manager. You fill out the lineup yeah, you're, card. You're the one that can You hold the keys to that car. You're the one that's has the ability to do it. How and about, yet you don't do it. <laughs> but you say you gotta do it, but you don't do it. Uh, I saw a very funny Craig Council quote before the double header started yesterday. Council on the next series versus the Cardinals said, quote and this is to your manager speak, Rowdy. Quote There's a huge opportunity for this team. You couldn't ask for a better opportunity, really. We haven't made it easy on ourselves, but we still have an incredible opportunity in front of us. It's up to us what we want to do with that opportunity. End quote. I mean, for <laughs> for the times of 2020, he might as well just ended it with, we're all in this together. Uh, how many times do you use opportunity? There's a huge opportunity for this team. You couldn't ask for a better opportunity, really. We haven't made it easy on ourselves, but we still have an incredible opportunity in front of us. It's up to us to do to do with that opportunity. Four opportunities in one, two, three, four. In four sentences, 
He used the word opportunity four times. RJ, you and I were uh, messaging back and forth during that first game. And you, I think, can give credit to yourself, so I pat can. yourself on the back for helping the Brewers win. I did. You want to tell the people what you did? I did the reverse jinx. Yep. Two on, nobody out, yellow strikeout. <laughs> the next two batters are going over two, and then right away, Braun hits, yep. hits the hit, and then Hira. And then Hira, you know, finalizes it, and it was nice to see. Except the, And then I messaged you back, man, I wish I would have tuned in I don't know, late instead of early, <laughs> because I tuned into that game, you know, right away. Yeah. And I equate it to watching the movie The Joker. Long, well, it wasn't too long, but long in the sense of how boring it was, how non-entertaining it was. Nothing happened. Nothing. Until right until literally the end. nothing happens. Yeah. And then at the end, there's a flurry of action and it's over. And you think to yourself, did what I, what I just watched, was that even good? I don't think it, I mean, they won at the end, but was it even good? No. And by the way, you just you finally saw the movie The Joker a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, two yeah. months ago. Is the analogy of mine spot like is that does that ring true? Yeah, because you mean, what it, would you grade The Joker when you saw it? I gave it a, I gave it a five point four out of ten. Well, or five point two, five point four. I went into it not thinking it was going to be a real DC movie because uh-huh. that's what everybody told me to yeah. expect. Yeah. So like. If you think about it, not being within the DC universe, not being a superhero movie, and just being characters, one who has a mental illness, I, I'd give it an 8 out of 10. But since it is a but superhero movie. But since it movie. is a superhero movie or a supervillain movie, I mean, it was just confusing. It stunk. It, it Yeah, it wasn't good in terms of building the Joker character. So then in the second game, Rowdy watched... Well, Rowdy, would you say you watched more of the second game than the first game? Yeah, I didn't catch any of the first game. I was busy uh, doing some you stuff. You really didn't miss anything besides... Start a little earlier than normal, too, right? Yeah, before whatever. You didn't really miss anything besides Ryan Braun and Keston Hira in the eighth inning. Other than that, it was just... <laughs> I guess it was uh, Lindblom dealing a little bit on the plate. But in the second game, RJ messaged me, why is Claudio still on this team? <laughs> and then the you, Brewers lose. You, you guys talked about it. I mean, the run was technically... Um, Corbin Burns. Thank you. Um, but, I mean, that gets across because you walked a guy and then a guy gave up a hit. Yeah. Yeah, so I was listening to it on the radio at the point where uh, Claudio came in. Mm-hmm. And you know it's not good when the broadcasters are talking, well, he still has to pitch to one more batter. <laughs> You're yeah. like, oh, no. Yeah. I As mean, in, a.k.a. in a normal season where they didn't have these new rules, Alex Claudio, they'd be looking to one pull one batter. Him. He yeah. would have been, after the walk, he would have been done. Oh man, it was the Brewers. Just they stink. And I'm with Nelly. I don't know why you don't have Corbin Burns stand there to try. To I'm with Nelly too on that. It's like it's a double header. You brought yeah. you you knew that you had Devin Williams down. You knew that you had Josh Hader down. You knew that Corey Knebel, who you also thought would be a stopper this year, hasn't pitched well and has been oft injured. Mm-hmm. Who were you expecting to close the game? A guy that wasn't going to have any experience doing it. Yeah, and at the same time. Corbin Burns was your best option at that point. Right. You couldn't have brought in a better option, even if he did hit 100 pitches like it's some magic number. All he had to do, it only took one more pitch. He could have got a guy out. Right. And then you look at uh, Alex Claudio. We already know he's a positional or a situational relief pitcher. That's what he's been his whole career. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, with the new rules, he's lost some value just because he's got to throw to three pitchers. And when you have your 
Milwaukee well, Brewer broadcasting he the team. He could face one, and if yes. the inning ends, yep, he doesn't have true. to come back. That's true. But then, yeah, he did. That didn't happen. When so. the Milwaukee Brewers broadcasting team <laughs> is talking about, well, he still has to throw to one more pitcher. It yeah. didn't. It Ooh. wasn't a good sounding. He has to throw to one more pitcher. It was like, man, I wish we could take this guy out right now. <laughs> yeah. Like now we're in for a bad time. I mean, it didn't really even look like good pitches. And now he did get it out of the <laughs> inning. That's true. But then they had Eric Yardley come in, who yeah. I think everyone knows he's thrown the ball decent for the Brewers this year. He hasn't he hasn't been terrible, but it's not a guy you want to come in for a save situation. It's not good when you're when yard is in your name and you're a pitcher, if, like going yard. I mean, if it's just me, especially on a shortened double header game, wouldn't you go to the pen and bring in Suter, who the Cardinals haven't seen since last year? it's always a trick to go from a speedy pitcher to him because he works fast, paints the corners, and gets a lot of the calls a lot of the time, and he can work three innings. You have then only used two pitchers. Dose. And then it, and the other point is maybe Craig Council was saving a guy like Suter for the next game or the next two games since they still have three more games in the series as they play five games in three days. Yeah. yeah. But but at the same time, if you're the Brewers, you're in the hunt of the playoff, you can't manage for tomorrow. No. You have to win today's games, especially when you're winning the game two to nothing or two to one. Mm-hmm. Rowdy, there is no tomorrow. Yeah, you have to play to win the games now. You can't save your bullets for tomorrow. Apollo you Creed play to win the game. You play oh, there to win is. the game. <laughs> I'm trying to find my Apollo Creed one. There is no, no tomorrow. tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Well, I know yeah. I have it. I just can't find it. The other, <laughs> the other thing that Craig Council didn't even do was so when Eric Yardley starts getting hit hard, he didn't really have anyone up in the bullpen. Right. No. Rasmussen wasn't getting loose. Like there was no doubt that that was Eric Yardley's inning mm-hmm. until he completely started to get shelled, or else Rasmussen already would have been up. It's frustrating, right, guys? And now you have the Brewers who are second to last in the NL Central. The Reds have now climbed above them by half a, uh, half a game. How about this, folks? Uh, you saw the NFL kickoff last Thursday as Andy Reid, this is a coach-specific specific story, excuse me. Andy Reid had the visor that was fogging up. He needed the windshield wiper on it or a squeegee. Reed, 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 reed. I think he was reading a Denny's menu. That's why he was fogging up so much, breathing heavy looking at it. So Andy Reid kicked things off with um, – the visor that fogged up. And then later you saw the coaches come out with the face mask on. Uh, let's go to the Packer game specifically. Matt LeFleur had the gator on. Matt LeFleur seemed to rock the gator for the majority of the game. Mike Zimmer started off right away with his face mask underneath his chin, right? And that was the same as Sean McVay. And Sean McVay, Zimmer's was at least a little close to his mouth. McVay's was like down by his jowls. So Sean McVay's running around without the face mask on. Okay, if you were coaching, what would you have went with? Would you go with the, ga- the big old face mask? Would you go with the gator? Would you go with the... Well, the gator's always... I like, I like the gator, but it always falls down. It's like weird because it keeps falling down. I would go with the either the gator or the face mask that wraps around the ears. The, the visor just looks ridiculous. So I'm not going to lie. Looking at Big Mike on the sideline when he was wearing yeah, more was of not a standard mask. mask, he looked like he was sucking wind yeah. having a mask on. Well, you complain about it, sucking wind when you're wearing the mask, Rowdy. It's not the easiest to breathe. Like, 
not, I'm not complaining about it, but when I go to the gym, I got to wear the mask and it's hard to sprint on the treadmill and, and get fired up when you're lifting weights because you're sucking wind. And you're like, <laughs> well, especially it's the worst too when pretty much right when they started that mandate and I had to put it on was when I oh, you just nose had surgery. my nose your Michael Jackson up. nose. So you know what was really stuffy and and yeah. and boogery? My nose. So I already couldn't breathe out of it. So in that in that in that Packers game, you saw Mike Zimmer with it down below his chin. You saw Sean McVay when the Rams went against the the Cowboys. You saw it down below his chin. Well, the NFL yesterday sent out a team a reminder for team personnel on the sidelines that coaches are required to wear the face mask. Otherwise, if they don't, they will suffer discipline. Who in the stadium, who on the field has COVID-19? In order to get into the stadium, you need to clear multiple tests just to come in to play the game. Are you mean to tell me when you have 11 on 11, these guys lining up next to each other, tackling each other, blocking each other, you name it, none of them are wearing masks. What does it matter if the coach is wearing the mask on the sideline? Now, te- now technically, if they look at it, does it say how they have to wear it in the rules, like must cover nose and yes. mouth? Yes, because Sean McVay came out to say the reminder they got the memo was definitely about him. Yeah. He had the mask on, but it was below his chin. Yeah, because that's what I was wondering. Go If they say just wear it, I mean, couldn't you technically tie it around your wrist and have it, fl- you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he says teams, he stressed that teams, quote, must remain vigilant and disciplined in following the processes and protocols put in place by not only the league, union, and clubs, but also the state and local governments. In the first game of the season, Texans versus the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson met in the middle, shook each other's hands, hugged each other, no mask were on, and then they all linked arms in unity. Not a single person was wearing a mask besides Andy Reid and his visor, which was fogging up. <laughs> yeah. And then they all went to the, they all shook hands again, then went to the sidelines, and then for the coin toss, then the refs made them put a mask on. They just spent 10 minutes standing each other in the middle of the field without masks. And then after Deshaun Watson, the Texans scored, Deshaun Watson runs to the sidelines. And sits down next to Matt Patrick Mahomes and pats him, puts his arm around his shoulder, pats him on the back, and they exchange pleasantries without any masks. It doesn't matter. Stop the madness. The the visor is the funniest thing too for Andy Reid because it's like okay, in theory, say he's yelling at a, a referee, right? And yeah. say the referee somehow has COVID nineteen, and he turns around and sneezes. It's still going in the air. It doesn't it's, matter. It's just a visor like this. The whole bottom half is open. So if it really was through the air, it could it easily, easily come up in under it. So The only way you can enter in the stadium is if you pass multiple COVID-19 tests. Let's go to the phones. Welcome to the show. Who do I got? Terry from the North Terry, Side. Terry, yes. Yes. Terry, did you hear me call you out? I wanted you to call in earlier today. No, I did not hear oh my that. God. I Terry, just... Terry, at 8 o'clock, I, I asked, I rattled off a bunch of callers we haven't heard from for a long time, and I said, Terry, I haven't heard from you in a while. Call in. We are on the same wavelength, Terry. It's awesome. We are, and it's funny, I'm sitting right here by the bar, too, but it's just a miracle. This is happening for guys. My man, Terry, we missed you. What's new, brother? Well, you know, first of all, um, you know, I guess as far I couldn't agree with you more on uh, on these coaches. Hey, maybe you can wear a Halloween mask. Would that be would yeah. that be defined as a mask? I have a, I have a maybe uh, a pop yeah. a Popeye one. Pop Popeye one over there. That'd Terry, be all right, wouldn't it? I'm all for wearing masks when you're out in the general public, but when it comes to when it comes to 
You're to get in an NFL stadium, you have to plus pass multiple COVID nineteen tests. You got to be all negative. There's no reason. Oh, it's just madness. It's maddening, Terry. Well, you know, and I hear you because I've done a, few, a couple of football games already out of Dane County, and um, I tell you, it's very hard to breathe. I mean, you have to uh, adjust it and fly, especially when you're really running fast and. And then you got to pull the damn thing off just to talk over that microphone. You know, that's, that's like the refs. That's the hardest part. Like the refs in an NFL stadium are wearing masks, right? They're wearing masks too. But then when they make their calls, they take the mask off. <laughs> what are we doing? That's right. They say, "Hey, you have to. You can't talk with those things. You sound muffled. You really do." Yeah. Um, but you know, it's interesting. As far as your Packers go, you know, and I think Rodgers definitely had a great game. But let's be honest, the Minnesota Vikings are awful. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to quantify it. Like, are the Vikings and their defense just that bad? Is the Packers just that good? Or is it, it's probably just a mixture of both. You know. Well, maybe, but you know, be got to realize though, it was the Packers did give up what thirty four points. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, again, you know, if they give up thirty four, uh, and again, the Forty Niners got beat by uh, Arizona, which I think is going to be the surprising team in the NFL this year. Yeah. But, uh, but um, you know, if you give up thirty four points to a, a good team, uh, you're still going to be able to score as many as you did. You know, I mean, that's just the point. It's hard to judge this game. Um, last year, you remember Rogers saying we got a defense. Well, you find out <laughs> you left your defense in San Francisco, I yeah, guess. Right, oh, yeah. Anyway, no I had to give you a call. A while. Yep, have a good one, guys. You Go Cubs. See you later. Oh, Bye. he's got to get that in well, there. Well, he's a Cubs fan. See you, Terry. See you, buddy. And listen, it pains me to say it, but yes, the Cubs are the best in the NL Central. They're a good team. It, I'll admit it, and they are good. That big thing, though, with that Packers defense that he's talking about, if Kenny Clark is out for a long period of time, that's a huge blow. Yeah, a little groin injury. Because we were talking about what was probably the worst unit on that defensive side of football for the Packers, and it had to be the defensive line. I mean, how many times did we have to watch them just get absolutely thrashed by San Francisco running the football right down their throats? Yeah. And now the best player on the line goes down with an injury? And you really didn't add anyone else no, it's, into it's, the mix? It's the same old, same olds from last year? The good news is he walked Fingers off the field. Fingers crossed Kenny Clark is back next week. He walked off the field under his own power, so that was good. Uh, we're going to talk some Packers injury right after the break here. But, um, yeah, Kenny Clark, that's that's tough. Especially after signing that big deal, too. He's like the last line of defense on the defensive line. If he goes down, the whole line's going down. Eesh. Uh, Papa Pick says, gotta need to sign snack. What do you think? Little snacks? I, I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be the worst signing that they could have. No, 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 no. Oh. They might need to sign an offensive lineman as well, especially with all the injuries. So, real quick here, uh, Sean McVay saying, I'm sure they're directing that at me. I've got to do a better job keeping my mask over my face, but it was really hot. You have a headset on, and it's hard to communicate at times with that mask. I just got to do a better job of wearing the mask. <laughs> when the bench area under the 2020 league protocols is the sideline on each side of the field, there's yellow dotted lines between the 30-yard lines. Team personnel and the bench area have to have masks on while in it. I bet you I saw like half the players wearing it possibly. But to get into the stadium, I just... I, where's the meteor? Please, God. Where's the meteor? Maybe football's just starting to come up with their own unwritten rules. <laughs> Don't actually have to wear the mask. No one cared who I was until I put on the mask, Rowdy. Not supposed to touch before pregame or whatever. Eh. Yeah, you can. Hey, when the whistle blows, COVID-19 goes to the stands and just sits, sits out. They're like, we're going to watch the game. Well, once the game's over, no handshaking, no jersey exchanges, because after once the whistle 
concludes, blows to conclude the game. Then COVID's like, all right, I'm back, baby. I saw this yesterday, and I would say I would give an applause as uh, the Oscar nominees. You could put her up for an Oscar. Becky Blank, Chancellor for the University of Wisconsin. Let's give a round of applause for an Oscar-worthy performance, Rowdy. <laughs> Ooh, that was actually in sync. That we was, stopped at the nice. same time. It was almost a slow clap. Nice. Uh, so uh, this breaks from uh, Sports Illustrated. It was Ross Dellinger who uh, got a hold of these transcripts. There was a video as well, so you could uh, he just he just made it more public. I would say uh, one of the nation's most respected universities presidents plans to tell congressional lawmakers today that college programs do not sponsor athletics with the purpose of generating revenue. Quote from Wisconsin Chancellor's Rebecca Blank. Quote, the business model for college, uh, sorry, let me try that again. The business model for college athletics is greatly misunderstood by the public. We're not running sports to to primarily make money. Let me repeat that again. Wisconsin Chancellor Rebecca Blank said yesterday in a written testimony, quote, we're not running sports to primarily make money. My retort would be then what are you what are you doing then? Then how come that why do I got to pay, you know, a lot of money for a ticket, go in and buy a $10 hot dog, you know, like a $5 soda, maybe like a $10 plate of nachos and uh sit down and watch you make you know money off of these unpaid kids. Why is it then that when football was canceled, the university sent out a thing saying we're going to lose $100 million? What's Rowdy, when you hear the chancellor say, we're not running sports to make money, to primarily make money, what is the purpose? It just boggles the mind. That's why we give her a round of applause for the Oscar-worthy performance. Well done. What pops into my mind? It's one word. Liar. (laughs) Yes. Um, what? You're not... Um, can someone explain this to me? I don't, I don't get it. Can you explain it to me, Rowdy? Can anyone explain this to me? Can anyone explain? Can Rebecca, if it wasn't about Rebecca blank, call in and explain it to me. If it wasn't about bringing in the revenue from football and making money, Ebo, why do they pay successful college football coaches a bunch of money? Why is it that almost every state employee in just about every state, the highest paid state employee goes to the college football head coach. If you paid someone that amount of money to do a job, wouldn't you think they'd be generating, I don't know, a lot of revenue to justify that salary? Well, look at look at what uh, Nick Saban did to revitalize that Alabama program. Obviously, Alabama's the face of college football with Clemson right now, right? Yeah. Nick Saban is one of the faces of college football when it comes to coaching. Look at how much money they pay him a year because they bring in that (laughs) much more money money because of him because the Bama football program is head and bounds, head and shoulders better than where it was before he took over. And Okay, so let let me ask this question too. She says we're not running sports to primarily make money. All right, so Wisconsin welcomed in uh, all the kids back on campus, correct? Yep. They paid their tuition to do that, correct? Yep. 
And then about two weeks later, they told the kids, go home or you quarantine. We're all going virtual online, right? Well, the kids still have to pay their tuition, correct? They do. In fact, I see now a petition starting down from students and parents to have them have funds come back because they're not allowed to use you know certain facilities. So they want some of their money back. But Wisconsin still got their money, their tuition. So they shut, they shut down school, right? They shut down the kids from going to classes, right? Yeah, they're they're locked. So if sports is not they quarantined pri- them, right? They yeah, locked them down. Yeah, if, and and said and sent them home too to go, you know, or the, that's the uh, that's the vibe, right? Like we're gonna send you home to go all virtual. So they sent all the kids home or do virtual online. They still made money off their tuition, even though they can't use essentially all the stuff they paid for. And now with no kids on the campus, or probably gonna happen, isn't the Big Ten, which Wisconsin's included on, voting? To bring back football, therefore to bring back the players, therefore to, I don't know, have football on TV so they can make money? Yeah, it does show that they would be a priority. Um, huh? Okay, okay, so you're saying sports is not here to primarily make money, yet after you're sending kids home, you're going to vote? to bring back the athletes to play football so you can have TV revenue come in that essentially makes you money. But, I mean, you could even go further and not even focus on the the uh, students or the athletes or the student-slash-athletes. Look at just what they did with the, the season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't about money, then why did you not tell everyone that they could take a gap year? I don't... Uh, because I'm, this is confusing I, me. You know what I'm saying, though? Am like, I taking crazy pills? Are we taking crazy if, pills? If the UW came out and said, hey, you know, we're probably not going to have a season. Here's a gap year offer that we are allowing you to take as a yeah. as a group. We had Jim on here, uh, another employee in the building on a sister station. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, if I would have known, I definitely would have taken it. Yeah. And RJ, you know, was on here talking about how, yeah... I took it, and I know some other people that took it, but I didn't even know about it until I heard it through the grapevine. Obviously, that wasn't public for a reason. They didn't want people using that option, though it was an option. Yeah, because eventually the story broke and they had to backpedal. Exactly, because it wasn't going to make them as much money. I just Let's go to the phones. Welcome to the show. Who do I got? You got Mark the Virgin. Good Mark, morning, gentlemen. Mark the Virgin, my man. What's up, man? What's going on? Well, when you mentioned Rebecca Blank's name, you kind of sent out, sent out the bat signal. Um, so just, just for frame of reference on her credibility, uh, I saw her on the news last night yeah, saying same. that bringing back the students for in-person school was the right decision. Yeah, for their uh, pocketbook. Now, yeah, now, now that we're completely shut down, it's all virtual, kids are locked in the dorms or back home with mom and dad or, or scrambling to find another place to live right. that doesn't feel like a prison. And... And so why was it the right decision? It, it obviously wasn't the right decision for health reasons. No. Was it, it was the right decision because we've got to get all that tuition coming back in. Bingo. And you can, you can get your tuition back. They're giving students, uh, but it's a very short timeline to make that decision. Of course Just it like is. They had like two hours to decide if they wanted to be locked <laughs> in the dorms or not. <laughs> so, so what, I mean, she's kind, of, she's kind of speaking out both sides of her mouth, which... Um, she's got a great future in politics. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Mark, let me ask so, you, when, when, when she says we're not running sports to primarily make money, what did you think? 
then then I'd like to know why she's running sports. <laughs> I mean, it's, but it's why are you bringing the, the play? Why do you want to bring the players back then? Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's great for the development of these these young men and women. But um, I love it too because I want to talk about Wisconsin. Right I want to talk about Wisconsin football, you know. So I want to see some football. Let's go. Well, it's it's a self fulfilling prophecy. I mean, if you don't make money off the sports, the sports will be no longer right. I mean, we so, saw Iowa cut sports, Minnesota cut sports because there's no fall sports. Therefore, they had to save money. Right? Like, what's the point of sports if you're not making money up? Like, they're going to lose a hundred million dollars without football. Well, well, here's here's my other question. Uh, so, if if UW is shutting down, going all virtual. Why? Why is my kid's school trying to get the kids to go back into school? And immaculate conception, in case you're wondering. Um, yeah, because you are Mark the Virgin, so yeah, immaculate conception—that makes sense. Or or immaculate reception, because we're on opposite sides of the room. But uh, you can digest that one later. But uh, but why why are they trying to bring my elementary school kids back into school when they started virtually? When the UW is doing the opposite, dude, it's just it's 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 2020, right, Mark? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make it makes zero sense, and we're just supposed it, to go. It, we're supposed to blindly go along with it. Yeah, and that's why I was so surprised the Packers got a win. It, it wasn't supposed <laughs> to happen in 20. They're supposed to go 0 and 16. Yeah, in 2020, yeah. Rodgers would have got hurt in the first play, and then the Packers would have <laughs> lost, and we would have been doomed, right? Yeah, but the Bears won. So that, did you see that game? By the way, did you watch the end of that? The, the NFC North is garbage. If, if we don't win it, um, the floor is gone. Rodgers is traded, and hey. we start we start dismantling the team. Mark, I'll say this: at least we still have Bloody Marys. They haven't taken that away from <laughs> us yet. They have not taken that away from us yet. The anytime drink. I uh, I had to have a Bloody Mary for the Packer game. If I would not have had that Bloody Mary, far. Or, Barb Rogers would not have thrown four touchdowns. <laughs> my wife asked me, she's like, are you going to have a Bloody Mary for the game? And I couldn't believe the words that came out of my mar- uh, mouth, Mark, was, I don't feel like a Bloody Mary today. I couldn't believe I said it. Couldn't believe I said it. I slapped myself in the mirror later that night. Well, if you have to wait all week to have one on Sunday, it is well worth it. Yeah, I might just have one tonight. It's, uh sounds good. Mark, we appreciate you calling in and uh, trying to – I mean, are, dude, the hypocrisy of it all. Anyways, I'm whatever. trying to make sense of this, but uh, I'm not that smart of a man. So yeah, apparently we aren't. We aren't either. But whatever, we'll keep talking about. It. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Have a good day. See you, see you, buddy. Mark the Virgin there found out he does have kids. The Immaculate Conception, right there, Rowdy. Just- yeah, I think it's just funny how you mentioned how we and I'll say the the general public we aren't smart enough to figure out why. Yeah. But and we're the, supposed to blindly go along. But with the it. couple people that are in charge are smart enough. Yeah, right. And us, dumb, what, us dumb dumbs. When we hear it, we're like, "Wow, that just doesn't really make sense." Maybe I'm just not smart enough. But what was the thing? You know, if you're trying to to use this word that everyone uses today, educate or you know inform the masses, what are you supposed to do? Like, if you're a teacher, if you have a kid that's struggling in school. You're supposed to make it easier for them to understand why you're doing this? Yep. How come it's just more and more confusing? Aren't you supposed to make it easier? Wouldn't you come out and say, this is why we're doing this, 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 and this? You would You would think. Except for you have one point here telling me why we should do it, but then we're doing other things over here which totally go against what you just said. All right, so if let's hold Rebecca Blank to her statement that sports aren't here primarily to make money. Then next season, when we have sports back, fingers crossed, 
I want to have a ten. I want to put down a ten dollar bill, and I want a ticket, a soda, a hot dog, and some nachos for ten dollars. And I want a fifty yard line sideline ticket. How about that, Rowdy? Let's hold her to her word then. Ten is ten dollars asking too much for a fifty yard line ticket, nachos, hot dog, and a soda. Is that too much? If sports aren't here to make money, I think you probably could have got that for a Wisconsin football game in nineteen eighty. Well, I mean, sports aren't sports aren't here to primarily make money. I'm just going off with what the chancellor said. So I'm going to put down a ten dollar bill, and I'm going to want a ticket, a hot dog, some nachos, extra cheese, please, and a soda. Yeah, I prefer an RC, but I guess I'll take a Pepsi now. I think ten dollars might be a little light if we want to be realistic, but I know you're just trying to make a point and joke. <laughs> but they could be much more reasonable prices than what you actually have to pay. Hey, sports aren't here to make money. I got my ten dollars. You know what? How about ten dollars season tickets, Rowdy? Hey, if sports weren't here to make money, Ananasio never would have cut payroll. <laughs> if sports weren't here to make money, the Bucks wouldn't have to meet with Giannis Adetokounmpo to tell him in a lunch yesterday that they're going to go to the luxury tax. Okay. If sports weren't here to make money, big time millionaires, billionaires wouldn't be bending over Joe Taxpayer to build their stadiums. Oh, but here we are. Remember the big to-do when Giannis tried to went out to go for lunch a couple years ago, and he ended up leaving this uh, taco joint because they wouldn't give him a table? They, like, forgot How about him. What was that place again? It was Taco Bell Air. There's one downtown Madison, if it still is around. I'm sure they're struggling. Because <laughs> I remember I had never eaten there and never be- heard of Bell it. Bell Air, yeah. It's okay. Taco Cantina or some, yeah, something. It's, it's like a it's Bell Air Taco Cantina or something like that. It's okay. I make better tacos at home. It's okay. But yeah, Giannis didn't get the table, and everyone was like freaking out about it. Like, how can you not give Giannis Dendekumbo a table when he walks in the restaurant? And Giannis is like, dudes, it's not really that big of a deal. Like, they were busy. I get it. But also, if you're in an establishment and you see a guy who's seven feet tall, and everyone else is probably like, what's the average height? Like, 5'10". Like, yeah, this guy definitely, I think, plays for the Bucks. Oh, that's Giannis. Yeah, let's get him a table ASAP. So that was Giannis's first kind of like lunch fiasco. Well, now another lunch, and I wouldn't call it a fiasco, just a meeting has taken place as Mark Lazary, Buck's co-owner, sat down with Giannis Dendekumbo for, my God, a three-hour lunch. We've been a part of some work lunches, Rowdy. Three hours is pushing it. And usually when we're on a work lunch, I mean, did you go out uh, with Pam Yonke for us one time for that lunch? Uh, I think so, yeah. Man, those could turn into three-hour lunches because Pam's a talker and you get the drink and it gets, to, it gets pretty wild. I would say our normal lunch here on a normal day is about 10 minutes. Yeah, for I mean, when we're working when we're doing it as well. But if we go out with Pam or someone else, it's you know, you know one thing leads to another. But now with the COVID-19, you really can't. I would love to support local businesses. I do with carryouts. I'd love to go sit down at a bar, like uh, the Village Bar. My God, that place hasn't been open forever. I miss the Village Bar. Let's come to our senses and let uh, you know sling some burgers out of there. But Giannis Dendekumbo meets with uh, co-owner and governor Mark Lazary. For a three-hour lunch, it was um, covering the season, how the Bucks can improve their roster, and the biggest one of all, Mark Lazary confirming to Giannis Dendekumbo the willingness to spend into the luxury tax, an agreement that they'll talk again after Giannis returns from vacation and that they're willing to throw around some money for the Greek freak to continue building a championship contender. I mean, that's good news, right? But according to Sport Track, the Bucks already have 
$130.6 million in salary committed to next season. That only leaves about $8.4 million under the luxury tax. It's not a lot, Ebo. No, based on current projections. And here's the other kick in the nuts. What's going to happen with the lack of revenue coming into the NBA and how much and how it's going to be adjusted? How much will you truly be able to spend? The Bucks have a series of contracts. That and will, don't forget that their uh, viewerships also went down a little did. bit too. So not only did they not get their full amount of games, they, didn't get they all the also full didn't get their full viewership. So basically the Bucks have a series of contracts that are going to escalate year over year, including Giannis's who was in line for a raise of nearly $1.7 million. Chris Middleton's deal also goes up to $2.4 million. Eric Bledsoe, talk about buyer's remorse. His contract goes up to $1.3, and TJ Wilson's going to earn about $1.6 million more. And those increases are enough to offset the few players coming off of their books, which would be Kyle Korver, Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown, and Marvin Williams. By the way, Marvin Williams did retire. So Milwaukee also has three players earning, still earning money, uh, via the stretch provision next season, including Larry Sanders, who yep. was bought out in 2015. Larry Sanders, I think, makes it's one or two million dollars a season. I think till 2022. Yeah, it's at 1.8. 1.8 is it till 2022? If memory serves me correct. Yep. The last year on the books for Larry Sanders is 2021. My man, Larry Sanders just wanted to smoke weed and do some finger painting. Yeah, I mean, and hey, if. If I paid $1.8 million a year to smoke weed and finger paint, sign me up. Here's the but other the thing. the Bucks are the ones that said, Larry okay. Sanders is the famous one because of the big incidents that he had and how you're expecting so much from him and you got so little. And then he started throwing champagne bottles in the club. Let's talk about John Lure. He's also on the books until 2021, and he's not $1.8. He's $3.1 million. No. Man. When's the last time you thought of John Lure? Not until right now. That's uh, God. I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Maybe Wisconsin his, basketball brief, season. Yeah, his brief stint with the Bucks years ago. Yeah, maybe maybe when the Badgers were playing last if year. If you want to talk about anything good with these dead cap figures, the only thing you can is Spencer Hawes is now off the books <laughs> for this <laughs> for this next year as he was eating up two million dollars oh, a year. Okay, my God. But I mean, Dragon Bender's still on for one point eight next year as well. Uh, like, they call guy, me Dragon Rowdy because I'm Dragon D's nuts. Wasn't what? that last year when they picked him up for like a brief stint? Yeah, and then he like toiled away in the D League. Yeah, that guy's still making. He made 1.6 this year and 1.8 next year. Yeah, so the Bucks are John Horst. John Horst, it's 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 we got you got some dealing to do, brother. Well, especially because. You know, I know some of the NBA contracts are more confusing with their well, the bird rights, the and bird rights, yada, and if yada. you're drafted by the we said need Charlie team. Day to tell us a little bit about bird law. But here's the thing: the Bucks elected to sign Eric Bledsoe to the extension. Buyer's remorse. Now they didn't sign Malcolm Brogdon. And where do you think Bledsoe's trade value is at right now? It's not not high. <laughs> no, but. Uh, the thing with that was Malcolm Brogdon was going to command a little more money than Eric Bledsoe mm-hmm. by everyone's pretty much opinion going into last year. Yep. But the thing was you could sign Malcolm Brogdon and go above your salary cap because Dude. he was drafted by the Bucks and it's that bird rights thing. Bledsoe you had to stay below. Now hindsight 2020. Oh my God, keep Malcolm Brogdon and pay the luxury tax. Exactly, and get rid of Eric Bledsoe. And now you have a more – you have a bigger guard because – 
Malcolm Brogdon's, what, 6'4", 6'5". He can also shoot from behind the arc, and he plays good defense. So overall, a better player than Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, you'd pay him a little more, but you had that opportunity to go above your luxury, your salary cap, where now Bledsoe is kind of really weighing that down. Because if you remember, and the, you can't go above it with him. The Bucks were not <sighs> willing. The Bucks were not willing to go into the luxury tax to keep Malcolm Brogdon, and now we are in the predicament. And you that could we're only get now. two out of the three with Lopez, Bledsoe, and Brogdon. Yep. And you you already knew that Giannis wanted. So Middleton. The Bucks really can't spend money. I mean, they can't do any big damage by purely spending money. It's not they could add some low price free agents, but outside of that, not happening. So now this is where I kind of want to. Their best option is to trade. I don't get what they're going to do. Like you got to trade something involving Middleton, Bledsoe. I mean, you have to get creative. But my thing is, what did they talk about at this dinner from the owner and Lazary, being that yeah, he can kind of whisper in John Horst's ear. But what 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 was he asking Giannis that Giannis wanted that they haven't would given him? Would love to know. Would love what, to know. What did Giannis want? You know, he here's what we got to do, Robbie. Middleton, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He got Middleton. He got him. He they wanted, wanted Brogdon too. They wanted Lopez back. Got him. He got him. Yep. He wanted Brogdon. Got didn't get him. Didn't get him. But he got Bledsoe. I don't remember. Did he want Bledsoe? I don't remember. I mean, they're buddies. So I can't remember off the top of my head. But regardless, I'm sure he did. Like they probably go players, to Giannis, like, "Hey, you want this guy?" Out of all those players, they knew that they couldn't sign one of them, especially if they were going to sign Chris Middleton to that big deal. Well, Giannis, you can't have everything. You got to pick and choose. And here's what we need to do: we need to figure out where they're eating. A th- could you imagine if you're the waiter in this situation and you're waiting on Giannis Antetokounmpo? And Mark Lazary, and you know that this is a big to do meeting, and you're there for three hours. We got to find this waiter, and if if need be, waterboard him to get the information out of him, Rowdy. I'm willing to go that. I've been waterboarded. It's not that bad, but I think we can get the information out of him. What do you think? It's like we'll do our own little Guantanamo Bay, and we'll get the information out of him. And you and I can bust the story wide open. We might not even have to do that. Didn't we have. Uh... We could probably be like, yo, what'd you hear? One of our callers, Chad. I apologize. I didn't mean to jump straight to torture. Didn't one of our uh, callers, Chad, say that he had a buddy that worked in restaurants and saw the uh, St. Louis Cardinals out and about in Milwaukee? Yeah. Maybe we already have someone on the inside. I I apologize. I didn't mean to jump straight to torturing. That's simulated drowning. I did not. That's I, that's on me. I apologize. But they do say, uh, right in here, I just pulled this up. That said, trading Middleton now could be smart when considering the prospect of two years from now, if his game diminishes, he's still making $35.5 million with nearly $8 million remaining on his deal. That would be that would then be contrasted with uh, the Nakumbo uh, and his timeline and his contract coming up. So it would be bold for Milwaukee to trade Middleton, their second-best player, but with the willingness to spend the luxury tax and them having not much money, it would... Because, listen, the, uh, Bledsoe's trade value is nothing. You can get something you, for him. Yes, but not what you – if you were to trade him in the but regular the other, season, The sure. other guard that you have on your roster that's that's kind of been anchoring you down just with the contract situation and his uh, level of play is George Hill. George Hill's making over $10 million a year. There's some moves to be made. <laughs> 